What up and welcome to Dub Nation, the official show of the Utah Warriors of Major League Rugby. I'm Jeremy Jordan alongside Banksy. May the fourth be with you. And with you. <laughs> I, that was I a little blasphemous. I'm sorry. I apologize. For... Uh, you know what? It's all good. I love, <laughs> I love Star Wars. I was explaining to my daughter today sort of the timeline of Star Wars and like when everything came out and where it fits. And she's like, you're just giving me a timeline. I was like, oh, I am, I guess. Sorry. My well, bad. Like, here's the deal, guys. It starts with episode four. <laughs> right. and, then the, and then the wheels fall off after that. <laughs> yeah. Five was the best. Uh, six is pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, uh, may the fourth be with all of you, uh, who celebrate this, uh, or literally organized religion, uh, of it is now officially or or whatever. We are live on the Utah Warriors Facebook, Twitter, YouTube account. Subscribe to the podcast version on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. You can listen to it on like 2x. So I'll speak really fast right now and see what that sounds like. You can also listen to it on uh, 0.5. So if you're doing that now, that sounds fun too. Sending questions and comments if you have them. Here's what's on the rundown. We'll recap the loss at New England. Preview week uh, 14. Recap week 13 as well around the league. Joe Mono will join us. He's back from an ACL. Scored a great try against New England. Rugby versus football part two. Uh, does Can Britton Covey kick? Uh, well, you'll see that. Rugby ATL coming to town Saturday. We'll preview that. And we'll talk to the aforementioned Britton Covey, who got picked up by the Eagles. Congratulations to our guy, Britton Covey. Uh, from the University of Utah. Fun conversation with him coming up. Okay, let's recap New England. Utah goes to New England. New England's won seven in a row. Tried to snap the streak. Tried to pull off a big upset. Didn't happen. 33-17. Let's start at the beginning. Mitch Wilson, this is Bailey Wilson's brother, scores in the second minute. Uh, Peter Janssen scores in the 22nd minute. It's 14-0 New England. It's like, shoot, down two scores. Let's go. 28th minute, Calvin Whiting does tack on a penalty goal, though. He's kind of the guy at kicker right now with Clevin Lobster still coming back from injury. Caleb Mockney certainly capable as well. You know, um, it's been really fun to watch. Even as Calvin has not had the best season, he's such a utility knife for this team. Whether you need him at 10, whether he plays in his traditional 12 that he's been now, whether he's kicking or whether he's just an absolute lock on defense. He's able to do whatever the team needs and showing his versatility again and really being a leader through a tough stretch in this season. How many inside centers are the main kicker for the team, by the way, which is kind of fun as well. I like that. Okay, uh, 34th minute, John Poland scores a try, 20-3. Still having to come from behind here, but uh, 37th minute, off a high ball from New England. Mikey Teo does what Mikey Teo does. Great line break, finds Kendall Mockney, finishes it to score right before the half. The ball takes a great bounce, and Mikey just never stops following the ball. And then Mockney on his outside. Look at that. Three men chasing him. Takes the smart angle, and he's able to make the difficult try under duress. Close to a knock-on. They reviewed it. There was no knock-on on the uh, the catch there uh, from the kick. But more Mikey Teo in space. I'm telling you, when Teo... When Teo has the ball in his hand more often, I almost feel like like in basketball, you're like, okay, or football, you say, this running back is so versatile. We need to get him touches uh, out of the backfield and as a receiver. Mike Teo needs touches. Like, Mika Cruz needs touches. I don't, I don't know, you know what needs to happen here, but when the ball finds those guys, Utah scores, it feels like. Good things happen, and good things continue to happen for this team. I mean, we'll see it here in just a little bit. The really encouraging sign I saw from this team was that they didn't just stick to the regular X's and O's and the, the basic strategy that we've seen from some of the earlier struggles. We saw a lot more creativity. We saw a lot more support on the ball. 
you know, the, the little kick from Cliven that we're about to look at here uh, for Joe Mano's score was just field vision and experience and time playing together. And these guys are starting to fire on some extra cylinders and really start to have a bit more fun playing rugby again, which they've struggled with through the middle part of the season. So, you know, there's a lot of encouraging signs from this Warriors offense. Game in the second half we go, 47th minute. Uh, New England has a mall that goes into the try zone. Peter Janssen gets his second try. They almost ran out of the back. I'd never actually seen that, um, where a mall was so dominant. They almost went out of the back. Unfortunately, that's what happened, 26-10. Then the play of the game for the Utah Warriors. This was amazing. Cliven Lobster, the Namibian international played in the World Cup. Great kick, the chip forward. And look at Joe Mono back from an ACO in a second game. 10 months later, dots it down. Just the speed on the outside and then the vision from Cliven. They knew that call was on before that ball even came out of the ruck. You could tell by Cliven's body language. He just knew the space was there, and all he had to do was get it over the covering fullback, and Mono was going to score. And Joe, picking up right where he left off before he blew out the knee and just scoring tries for the Warriors. Great play. One of the plays of the year for the Utah Warriors. We will uh, talk to Joe coming up. Uh, so... Utah was playing up a man at that point, down nine with nine minutes to go. Again, it was like that tempting, like, is it, are we going to do this again? Like, New England, what? Um, unfortunately, three minutes later, New England scores again. Final score, 33 to 17. So, a couple of game notes on this one. New England sets the Major League Rugby record with eight straight wins, uh, surpassing Glendale and Toronto. Six-game losing streak now for the Warriors, longest since 2019. And uh, 17 points scored, eight fewest in team history, trying to get 30-plus a game to give themselves a better shot here. And then uh, tight fourth-largest margin of loss. The reason, the reason I bring this up is Utah does not get kind of blown out like this. Uh, looking at all the matches, all but five games in Utah history have been within two scores. To me, if you're, if you're a three-score-plus loss, that, that's the margin, that's a blowout. So rarely does Utah get blown out. And that's to Utah's credit is that they compete well. Even, even this season at 2-9, and nine, this team is still competing well. Well, even up into the 70th minute, you know, Mono goes in for that score and you think, all right, there's a glimmer of hope and a chance here for these Warriors again. But that's been the frustrating part of the way this team has closed out games all year is they are so close and yet seemingly the gap is so wide between our performance in the red and black and where the teams are at the top of the league. Okay, man of the match, as voted by you on dot vote, Bailey Wilson. 10 lineouts won, 16 tackles, 68 meters gained. Of course, he had to show up against his brother Mitch, right? It was great from Cap to, to show up. He continues to do it and lead with his actions on the field. And, you know, the guys continue to respond. They play hard for each other. And a lot of that is on the physical leadership as well as the emotional leadership of Bailey Wilson. So well-deserved for Cap in that match. Stats in this one, New England scored five tries, Utah two. Uh, penalty goals, Utah made one, which is good. Uh, Lineouts, even at 13 scrums, Utah struggled five for nine in this one. New England dominated. Certainly the Free Jacks, one of the best teams in the league, if not the best. You know, you, you feel like, uh, you know, and we'll get into the standings later, but New England's right there as one of the best teams in the league right now, number one team in the East. I mean, you talk about facing New England and now rugby ATL and back-to-back weeks. That's the top-shelf elite measuring stick in the Eastern Conference. And the East have shown that they have risen to the standard that the West has set through the first four seasons of MLR. And so the, the parity across the competition 
is pretty incredible this year, and it's really fun rugby to watch if you're a rugby fan. Okay, well, the Collegiate Rugby Shield is coming to Utah. This is exciting. Don't miss out on this great opportunity to see the next stars of Major League Rugby as they prepare to be drafted. Check out CollegiateRugbyShield.com and Collegiate Rugby Shield social media for more information July 2nd. Awesome. It's going to be a great day of rugby here in the epicenter of rugby in, in North America. You know, it all, all roads travel through the West, the Intercontinental Railroad connected here in Utah, and now the road to the MLR does as well with that Collegiate Rugby Shield. And we've seen so many guys make an impact for this Utah Warriors team that have come through that draft, and so many great talents continue to develop through that system for other teams as well. So it'll be an exciting day. Yeah, we'll get the golden spike out from Promontory Point. I think we'll just take it out. We'll bring it over to the – Just borrow it for a minute. Just borrow it. Uh, it's all it's good. Fine. Well, it's It'll not stealing. We borrowed it. We're going to bring it back. Uh, okay, here's some scores from uh, week 13 around the league. Big, the, perhaps the biggest game was L.A. defeating Atlanta 31-19. Atlanta, of course, Utah's opponent coming up Saturday. But L.A. LA's really turned it on, man. Like uh, Austin's got the most points in the last. We'll look at that in a minute. But L.A. is hot. L.A. playing to form, and, you know, they continue to shuffle around that backline lineup now with some suspensions and injuries, but they're getting a few guys back now who are really filling in the ranks, and they're playing a fun brand of rugby right now. Uncle Hermeshice, one of those people you're mentioning, uh, suspended three games throwing an elbow. Um, yeah, his next game back will be against Utah, actually. Okay, uh, San Diego taking it to Dallas, New York, uh, two-score win over NOLA and Austin uh, beating Seattle 17-6. Any thoughts on some of those other games? I think that Austin match was a big grind for them and a big physical win. Seattle, obviously, we saw, has so much size and versatility on that team. So for Austin to get that win at this point in the season to stay ahead of Seattle in the playoff race is massive and to win it in a very gritty, physical way. That was really a statement, I think, for the West. Okay, standings in the West. As we uh, get to kind of crunch time here, right? We've got... You know, five, six weeks left in the season. Austin out in front with the game in hand over L.A., plus nine. San Diego in that third spot. L.A., of course, second. Seattle right there. Houston right there. Um, it's going to be an interesting uh, five-team race for those three spots in the West. I mean, it's absolutely a drag race, and it's anybody's game at this point with everybody really chasing Austin. I think barring some major slip-up, from that team, you know, they're clearly going to end up with that one seed, but there's two spots to fight for and four other teams that are in the real hunt for that with only what seven points separating second from being out of the, the playoffs. Yeah. Austin, Austin's a week or two from clinching a playoff berth. Uh, it would, it would seem. So that'll be interesting. Okay. Looking at the East, New England with 47 points, ATL coming in real strong as well with 40 New York right there. There's a bit more separation in the East than the West. A bit more separation, and it's the teams that we thought would be there uh, at the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, Rugby New Jersey, the Rattlers coming to town this week. We know they always are going to be tough playing in the East. Uh, for the Free Jacks have made their stamp on the Eastern Conference and then stayed there all season long. So, really, it's everybody chasing New England in the East right now. Yeah, it's interesting. And uh, Rugby ATL doesn't have bad losses. Like, if they lose, it's the good teams. Um, so they're, they're really, really good. And New York's really good. And Toronto feels like they're really good. Yeah. Down here for NOLA DC is, is, uh, you know, at the, at the bottom. Okay. Let's check out week 14 schedule coming up this week. Uh, the battle for the heart of America. I have no idea what the, the um, America, the Patriots cup, uh, New England and, and DC, they need a fun name there. Um, it, it, it's gotta be be better than the 
whatever Austin and LA is again. Uh, <laughs> the Gilly Cup. Yeah, the Gilly Cup, uh, which is coming up. That's a huge game, obviously, LA and Austin for, you know, who's who's really the best team in the West. We're going to find out who Adam Gilchrist loves the most. Um, Toronto and rug, uh, rugby, New Jersey, as you call them. San Diego and Houston's intriguing for kind of that third spot. And then Seattle's hoping to gain some ground on Dallas. I mean, Seattle picking up a, a tough game against Dallas, who are scrappy. They've shown they're good all year long. And with everything that's happened to that team, you almost feel like karma's due to give them a win. It would be bad timing for that to be against the Seattle Seawolves if you're a Seattle fan as they still try and fight for that spot in the playoffs. San Diego could really kind of stamp their authority on that third spot with a big win over Houston, though. Yeah, huge week. Every week big with, uh, you know, five or six games left, depending on uh, how many we've played in uh, MLR so far in round 14. So, yeah, we have five weeks left in the regular season. We go through uh, round 18, 16 games for everybody, two buys. Okay, five days left until the MLR trade deadline. So I wanted to ask you, do you anticipate the Warriors making any moves, perhaps as a seller? We see this a lot in baseball where teams know they're out of the playoffs, but they they get rid of some assets, prepare for the future. Do you anticipate Utah doing anything here? I wouldn't be surprised if it happens because there's a lot of value to be had with some of these players. But I think if I'm the front office, I'm trying to keep the assets that I've got right now, knowing that I'm only a few key pieces away from being back to being a contender again now in 2023. So it's not like there are major problems with the staff on hand. I think when we get through the coaching search and we add a couple of these missing pieces, both in the forward and back line, um, you know, really, if I'm, if I'm Brandon Sparks in this front office, I'm trying to keep the nucleus and all of the talent I can as close to home as possible. So I wouldn't be looking to sell, but you know, money talks. And if somebody comes and makes you an offer you can't refuse, don't be surprised if the Warriors make a deal. Yeah, and we'll see, you know, which guys on expiring contracts perhaps are uh, in motion. We'll see. We'll keep an eye on the uh, trade deadline coming up here in five days. The uh, Utah Warriors are back again this weekend at home with the best home field advantage in Major League Rugby. Absolute scenes in the red and black. Make sure you're there as the Utah Warriors take on Rugby ATL at Zions Bank Stadium. It's an 8 p.m. kick, so make sure you're uh, bundled up on what could be a cool spring night, or, you know, we could be in short sleeves. Who knows? Call 801-477-7652 or go to warriorsrugby.com and get your tickets as the Warriors take on Rugby ATL this weekend. I'm looking at Saturday's weather. Should be in the high 60s, so that, that should be great weather. That's hoodie weather. That's perfect. <laughs> That's hoodie Nice. Uh, I, I can attest that ball that Sayohila was squeezing, it did in fact deflate and perished. Uh, so that, that happened. Yeah. May it rest in peace. Yeah, may it rest in peace. Our first guest of the day is a conversation with Joe Mono, who scored a tremendous try as we just talked about uh, against New England coming off an ACL. Here's a conversation with uh, Joe from earlier. We now welcome to the program Joe Mono of the Utah Warriors. Joe, thanks for joining us on Dub Nation, man. Hey, so Jordan, uh, thanks for having me. Okay, well, uh, last week you played in your second game of the season. You scored your first try. It was a spectacular one from Cleveland Lobster, which we'll talk about in a minute. But uh, what was it like to get back out on the pitch a couple weeks ago after 10 months away following an ACL injury? Um, you know, it, it feels great. Um, it, it took me 10 months um, to recover, and, and I missed nine games. So at that point, uh, whenever I get an opportunity to be on that field, you know, I, I have that mindset um, that I – 
that I had to do something or make something happen to help the boys out? While, uh, you know, coming back from an ACL is getting shorter and shorter, it's still extremely difficult, apparently. Tell us kind of what you went through to get back into shape here. Um, I was I was doing rehabs, you know, uh, uh, with a uh, physical therapist, and um, I was working with um, our physios and our trainers, and especially the coaches and our teammates. And um, they were motivating me to, you know, keep pushing and keep working hard to get back and get this knee right. What kept you motivated? Because uh, a lot of people talk about in that process there being a lot of dark days. Um, you know, I, I have a son now, so um, it's it's something that motivates me to, you know, keep playing and, you know, get back at, to do what I love to do. That's awesome, man. That's great. What's your, what's your son's name? How old is he? Uh, Joey. Uh, he's um, seven months now. And uh, Congratulations. So during these 10 months, you had a kid. Yes, um, when I got injured um, back in May of 2021, um, my, my lady was pregnant, was five months pregnant um, with my son. So it was tough, you know, trying to figure out what to do. And, you know, because I was um, getting money from insurance, but we didn't have that much money. So, um, you know, good thing uh, our families are here to help us out. And um, that's what they did for the last 10 months. Hey, that's what families are for, man. Yeah, <laughs> and and that you you had this new motivation, right? Um, yes. Would it have been harder without Joey coming back um, from the ACL? It, I think it would it would it would have been harder. Um, but um, yeah, I'm glad that he's here so to motivate me to do what I love to do. That's awesome, man. <laughs> hey, so you tore your ACL against DC. Um, what do you remember from that moment? And do you think about that moment or do you put it out of your mind? Um, I consider it once in a while. Um, that was, like I said, um, that was my first injury since I played rugby. So um, I can never forget that day. So, yeah. And then uh, this is a moment for you that, you know, 10 months leading up to this, we see you against Seattle come in, which was super cool. Made a couple of good plays, which was great off the bench. And then last week against New England, you come in and you make one of the tries of the year for the Utah Warriors. Describe to us what happened on that play with Cliven Lobser. Um, uh, we knew that um, they were down um, uh, a player because so, um, uh, their winger got yellow carded. And, um, you know, we knew that there, there was going to be a space on the edge. So, um, and I knew that Cliven had the boot to – Put that ball, ball in that space to you know for me to score that try. Joe, you almost ran out of the back of the try zone, which was funny. You're so quick, right? But you had to use your uh, good footwork to dot it down, right? Yeah, um, I was I was um, sprinting, you know, just to get that bounce from that um, cross kick from Cliff, and um, you know, I had to slow down. I had, I was looking for ways to, you know, stop me from getting out of bounds, so I, I had to tiptoe my. Uh, I mean, I had to tiptoe to dot that ball down. So, yeah. I wish every field had like 10 meters in yes. the zone. You know, <laughs> I don't know why we have to have these five meter ones. It's like tradition, but it's, it's you don't it's have to. Why? Yeah. You could you could kick it way further in there. Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> Being up close, just boom, just send it up high. That'd be fun, right? Yeah, we need more. You know, try zone like the Sabergas field and. Yes, exactly, Houston. Yeah. Uh, like the CFL and football, they have these really long yes. end zones, or whatever, right? Yeah. 
Okay, let's talk about your journey. Um, so I see hometown is American Samoa. I see that you've lived in Alaska. Um, kind of where, where are you from and where have you gone, man? Yeah, um, I'm originally from American Samoa. I was born in Hawaii, but I was raised back in American Samoa. Um, uh, after I graduated high school, I, I just moved to Alaska to stay with my brother. He was he was in the army. He was stationed out there, so um, he wanted me to um, to come out there and um, work at a warehouse and uh, play some local rugby. And um, you know, tra- transition from American Samoa to Alaska was smooth, and um, we. And I think um, it, it it was great to, I think I think it was great to that I moved to Alaska and then down here to Utah. Hold up, hold up. How is moving from American Samoa to Alaska smooth, bro? Um, it was <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> uh, uh, what I mean by smooth, um, uh, we have families out there. You know, um, you know the people that I that I lived with in American Samoa when I was young, they, they, they were in Alaska as well. So oh, that's awesome. So I think that, I think it was smooth to have families out there. And I was thinking okay. winter weather. Oh, I was like American Samoa weather, Alaska weather. That's different, man. <laughs> it's way different. It's hot in American Samoa and then it's cold in, yeah. in Alaska. Well, that's, that's one of the things that was hard, but everything was smooth. We're talking to Joe Mano on uh, Divination. How's Alaskan rugby? Oh, um, there there are a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, talented players out there, um, but um, I think they only play um, in summer, just two months to play rugby. Right, two months only. Wow. Yeah, um, it's either sevens or fifteens and tens. But um, um, I don't know if you guys have heard of the. Um, that field in Alaska, the Alaska Rugby Mountain Grounds. Mm. That's like the. I wish I had a picture with me. So, um, it, it, it's a great field. Um, I think the USA women's team were up there. Um, when, when I was in Alaska, so, um, it was, yeah, it's it's great out there. Rugby rugby in Alaska is great, you know, but um, the physicality will be. There, because there are a lot of uh, polys out there. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, then uh, you end up playing for the American Samoa national team sevens, and you play with James Byfalla, right? That's your boy. Yeah. Um, man. Um. Yes, I did. Um. That was the first time I met um, James, and um, I've I've learned a lot from him, and you know, he was one of the players that I was looking up to. But um, funny thing is, was um. At that tournament, at that tournament, we were we were talking about trying out for the Utah Warriors um, in 2019. But then um, here we are um, playing alongside each other. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty cool, man. Um, okay, obviously the team is two and nine right now, and still fighting to uh, finish the season with some momentum and on a high. Uh, how do you uh, keep training? Uh, motivated and and good because I talked to Sean Davis a couple weeks ago and he said we had one of the best practices of the season. How are you guys trying to keep that going despite having a tough season so far? You know, um, it's it's all it's all about um, getting better every day and um, it's 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 about working hard for each for each other. So um, I think I think um, I think we need to do that 
um, almost every every day or every week. So. Okay, big game with Rugby ATL. They're always a very physical team. Uh, this, you know, what are some key factors in this matchup, in your opinion? Uh, just stick to the game plan and, you know, double efforts for your teammates. And, um, yeah, just to win some games. we got to see a Joe Mono try at home, right? Yes, um, for sure. I'll, I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> Joe, we appreciate the time, man. Congratulations on the journey back. I know it's been really hard. Congratulations on your new uh, – Kid Joey, and uh, we'll see you at uh, Zions Bank Stadium this Saturday. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jordan. Joe Mono, our guest on Dub Nation, and uh, good to have Joe back in the squad. He's uh, a real contributor whenever he's on the field. His footwork's incredible, too. You saw it in the back of the tri zone to uh, make sure he didn't run out. You know, he's one of those kids that you absolutely root for. Such a humble, quiet kid, like so many of the Polynesian uh, young men that come up. You know, they're just – there is such a level of humility and respect that's built into the culture that pairs so well with the game of rugby. And he fits so athletically, flawlessly into this lineup with the other playmakers that we have. So a healthy Joe Mano is bad news for the rest of the league. It's really good to see him back out on the rugby pitch. Got a Facebook comment uh, during the interview from uh, Kasi Kiji Melda Salatogi. He is built for the game. He is. He's like the ideal winger, man. He's the kind of kid that uh, he really is that modern winger. He's big and physical when he needs to be. And, you know, at standing almost six foot and, you know, 200, close to 200 pounds, you know, but he's got this electric speed that you just can't teach. You know, you can, you can have a player put on weight. You know, you can have a player learn ball and, and ball skills within the hands and at the feet, but you can't teach speed. And Joe Mano's got that. 100%. Okay, speaking of, it's time for uh, part two of Rugby versus Football featuring some of our name, image, and likeness local college football stars. Today we explore kicking. Let's throw it over to Britton Covey. It's called the coffin corner kick or the, the sky punt. <laughs> oh. Oh. Hey, you look like a long snapper. I did high school. I hate it. Right. <laughs> Come back for sure. Hey. I was going to say that's... Oh my god. Wait, wait, don't go. Wait, don't go. Wait, go backwards. backwards. And it has to bounce in, but over the next uh, 22 meter line, black thing? and then out. So it has to bounce around. inbound. And it's got to bounce inbound and then out. Inbounds, out of bounds. Not wearing the right shoes. I tried. Yeah, I'd say more lines. That's in. Nice. Great one. There we go. Got one. You made a contract. I'm ready. Oh, pick up. Hey, Jaron Hall with the 5022, uh, the BYU quarterback. Not bad. Who did uh, punt, uh, I learned, when he was younger. Well, had the technique, got the ball going end over end with a bit of momentum. It was great. I see a lot of really questionable hamstrings from some of those big boys <laughs> trying to put in the high ball as well. Careful, lads. I've been there. That hamstring's not as loose as you think it is out there having fun. That's awesome. Continue to uh, check out fun features like that on the Utah Warriors social media. They're always putting them out, which is great. All right, let's preview the game with Rugby ATL, the Rattlers. Coming up Saturday, 8 Mountain Time. Will we see Niall Saunders return? Uh, he did travel to Rugby ATL, wasn't on the 23. But uh, by the way, I did want to mention Franco Vandenberg uh, hit his head pretty hard. Um, I'm guessing he's out going to uh, be out this week. But our best wishes to Franco as he recovers from that. 
uh, did leave the game with what looked like a head injury, right? But Utah and ATL coming up Saturday night. KMYU, uh, KSLSports.com, the Rugby Network, ESPN 796. We've got the call on this one. Rugby ATL second in the East with 40 points. They lost LA last week, as we talked about. Utah's 0-2 all-time versus the Rattlers. And uh, this is this is a big game. And, and Lance Williams talked about it uh, and others saying, hey, we've got to ruin – other people's opportunities here we've got to upset them and let's make it hard for them to uh go where they want to go let's win at home let's defend our home turf there's a big chance to do that against a team that needs a win to stay in the thick of that playoff race uh rugby atl still sitting at second in the eastern conference so they're very much part of that conversation like you knew they were going to be this rugby atl team plays with a lot of flair when the space opens up for them. And they're a very structured and disciplined team at all the other set pieces and phases of the game. So this is not going to be an easy one for the Warriors, but the Warriors are in a really dangerous place right now because they're playing really great rugby through really long passages of play now, whether that's on offense or defense. So if you sleep on this Utah Warriors team, even for a minute, they have all the skill and potential to really bite you hard and, uh, you know, Rattlers aren't the only ones with fangs. Hey, I like that. I was going to yeah. say, that's, that's a pun. Uh, <laughs> okay, a couple things that ATL does well. Dominant tackles, first in the league. They tackle you and talk, tackle you hard. Second in malls, fourth in tries, third in meters gained. So they, they're not like spectacular in a ton of things, but they're super solid and very physical. You know, and they're really well coached. They're really well disciplined. This is a team that spends a lot of time together. And in Atlanta, Georgia, you can play rugby all year long. These guys know each other really well. They've played together for a really long time. The core of this team, much like the Utah Warriors, is still intact and has been for several years now, even with some, you know, coaching changes there early in this season. Let's not forget that. You know, they lost a head coach right at the start of their season yep. as well. So to continue that form has been a credit to what the players on the field are doing for rugby ATL. I'm still back in black with the Utah Warriors this week, though. Yeah, Scott Lawrence let go. That was a bit of a surprise right after they went to the MLR final. Steve Brett is the head coach. So, yeah, keep an eye on those guys. Uh, Marco Jans von Rensburg. It's fun for the play-by-play. Your boys got that. Uh, tied for first with eight tries. Will Leonard, third in MLR and carries. And Justin Basson, 19 of those 42 dominant tackles. Love seeing uh, Van Rensburg in there, the big boy leading the league in the tries. You got to love that as a uh, as a forward player, seeing you know some of these bigger bodies running around all over the field. So there's a lot of speed. There's a lot of danger. There's a lot of real clinical rugby in this rugby ATL lineup. But like I said, don't count out a team that has absolutely nothing to lose. The Warriors' backs are against the wall, and the only thing they have to motivate them right now is playing spoiler. And who better? And rugby ATL to, you know, make a cry at their own party. Listen, Utah's beating L.A. Like, if you can beat L.A. on the road, you can beat anybody. So, you can beat L.A. on the road. You can hang 69 on Dallas, you know, in, in those two key wins, really, for the Warriors this season. But, you know, I've said it before. We're talking five losses by less than a converted try for this team, you know. That's how close it's been. The difference between victory and loss is razor thin. I mean a literal game of inches when you talk about how many times the Warriors have been inside the five meter line to score tries this year. So I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> no, I'm we do need to talk about it because that's how close it can be for this Warriors team. Don't be frustrated. I know, I know. every week okay? we talk about margin. I hate it. Put your big boy pants on, get behind your Warriors, Jerem Jordan, and realize 
that in Zions Bank Stadium this weekend, 8 p.m. kickoff, when the red and black and the four stripes take the field and Dub Nation gets loud behind them, we're going to cram it down somebody's throat. And I'm stoked for it, baby. Let's go, Dub Nation. I wish you were excited for once uh, about the matchup. <laughs> but, yeah, that's coming up 8 Mountain Saturday night. And before that, you can come hang out a little earlier with a little something special with the Junior Warriors. Let's go. These Junior Warriors clinics are unbelievable. Ashley Burge does such a fantastic job making this so much fun for these kids, as well as learning the basics of the game. The uh, rugby players for this Warriors team really get involved and throw the ball around. It's such an amazing experience to get your kids involved for the first time or just let them get out and have a great experience with some of their favorite players. It's for ages 5 to 14 and it's only $30. It includes that one-hour clinic, the T-shirt, parking, two tickets to the corresponding home match, which would be this weekend against Rugby ATL. So go to junior.warriorsrugby.com and get more. That's junior.warriorsrugby.com. Okay, our final guest of the day is a University of Utah receiver that a lot of you know, Britton Covey. Fantastic guy. Got picked up by the Philadelphia Eagles this week. Here's my conversation with Britton from earlier. We now welcome in our next guest, Britton Covey, now of the Philadelphia Eagles, who just signed a free agent deal with the Fly Eagles Fly. Congratulations, Britton. That's awesome, man. Thank you. Yes, it's. Uh, I'm just happy that it's over and, and that I can, you know, buy some swag from an NFL team rather than have to wait for, you know, another month to see where I'm going to end up. It's just, you know, it's been a long few months just waiting, training, and so I'm happy to finally be somewhere. So, What was that process like of not knowing where you were going? Maybe you get drafted, maybe you don't. And then when the draft ends, sort of the cards are in your favor and you have all the leverage at this point to kind of pick a couple teams perhaps. Yeah, well, it was, it was chaotic. It was uh, everyone, every free agent kind of has a different experience, right? Some where you're having to go out and actively pursue teams, others – right after the seventh round for me, the Eagles called me at the end of the fifth round and they called my agent and cause they only had five picks and it was just chaos from there. You know, they gave me a time time timetable and said, you have to basically decide by this point in the sixth round. Otherwise we're going to move off. Anyways, it was, so I had to make my decision early in the sixth round basically. And before I got to hear all the other offers from different teams and, still assuming I wasn't going to get drafted, right? So it was just a, a fun experience because no one in my family had any idea what to do. And just, you know, most of the time you've got guys you can ask for advice in the moment, but no one had ever done it in my family. So it was it was pretty fun. Did you lean on the agent at that point? Because I've, I've talked to a lot of guys over the years where it's like, all right, the key, you know, for a free agency situation is like, who is competing for that spot? Also the money, right. of course. But it's like you want to make the team. That's the point. Right. Yeah. To me, the money, I didn't care about the money as much because it's all about fit. Right. And it's all about kind of where you line up in the in the depth chart, how the coaches see you. And so money is a representation sometimes of how much they want you. But it's not everything. And so it was interesting, though. I did lean on my agent. So when I talked to all the Philadelphia coaches, um, you know, offensive coordinator, receivers coach, quarterbacks coach, all that, head coach. I just realized that I really wanted to be there. And that was early in the sixth round. And so I basically told my agent, I said, any team that calls you, 
that's wondering if they need to draft me, tell them that I'm going to be a free agent so that they don't feel the need to draft me because I want to go to Philadelphia. Because Philadelphia didn't have any more picks, but there were, there were still five or six teams in the mix that were possibly going to draft me in the seventh round if they didn't feel like I'd be available in free agency. And so, I, yeah, I told my agent, I said, just tell them all that I'll be available so they don't feel the need to draft me because I want to go to Philadelphia. So That's awesome. It's hard, though, but... Yeah, and, and uh, what a life-changing moment for you. Like, th- wh- how old were you when you were like, hey, I want to play in the NFL? Oh, gosh. I, five, you know? But that's kind of like the, the dream, you know, when you're growing up as a kid and you say, I want to be a doctor, like your parents are way encouraging. If you say, I want to be in the NFL, the parents are like, okay, let's be a little realistic, son. You know what I mean? So, Simmer down. so I, don't th- I don't think I ever – thought of it as a realistic dream until my freshman year of college and and then it yeah then you you have this tremendous season before you mission and it's like hey i can actually play at this level you know right you knew but you were you were proving a lot of people wrong because you were quarterback in high school and it was like well you're not gonna be a quarterback in the next level like your speed and quickness and agility and durability and reliability and all that was tremendous so i you remind me in a lot of ways of Vaisika Hema, where you could totally be a receiver, right? But there's a place for specialists in the return game. How do you see yourself? And I say Sika Hema on purpose because Philadelphia Eagles, right. of a guy who made a living off of the return game. Yeah, well, I love I. He's such a good person, and he texted me yesterday. Um, nice. Or, or when I got picked up, he's just such a such an amazing person, and. I think that it's understanding that, you know, especially punt returns in the NFL is such a game-changing play. If you think about it, no play averages more yards than punt return because, yeah, technically you're giving the ball back to the defense, but you're flipping the field, right? You're averaging 45 yards per play. And I think there used to be this under, this mentality of you kind of just put, you know, at least in college and high school, you put your second team guys out on special teams, right? That's kind of the time, the chance they get to play. And then lately it's just been realizing that it, those are such game-changing plays that average more yards than any other play. You got to have your best guys out there. They're the guys that are best at doing those particular things. And so I've kind of carved out a, a little bit of a role in that throughout my career and understanding how important it is in the asp- in the scheme of the game. And you know, how specialized it is. It's, you know, no, it's always funny to me to see someone go out and try and catch punts that's never done it before or someone run a kickoff back that's never done it before. It's, it's so much different than they expect. You know, I had a couple of my teammates try and catch punts on pro day and I told them, I was like, if you've never done this, like I wouldn't go back and try. It's going to be more difficult than you think. And sure enough, it, it ball swirling up in the air, the wind, it's, you know, so catching a punt is like catching a knuckleball. It's just all over the place. It's crazy. Yeah, and uh, I'm excited for you, man. Uh, Vi, or Elder Sikahema, depending on uh, what group you come from, you know, he, he said that at BYU, he was so mad that he didn't get a, the running back reps that he wanted that he decided he was going to field every punt and never fair. Yeah. He was <laughs> like an open yeah. rebellion. And then he said, but if I didn't do that, I would have never played in the NFL. He's like, yeah. I wasn't a good enough running back. So there's a place for everybody that has an extreme skill in a space. And I think you do. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm so excited for you. Um, Thanks, both, I'll be watching Eagles games 
Uh, <laughs> and of course, the reason we have you on the program is one, we're a fan of you, but two, you signed a, a name image likeness deal with the Utah Warriors. In fact, you joined me at halftime and into the second half, and you did a pretty good job. Uh, you know, two games ago against Seattle, I think we needed you on longer. They scored a yeah. while you were on. I know. Well, I think part of why I did a good job is because you didn't ask me to do play-by-play. I was just more <laughs> of like the, you know, the reactionary commentary. So, but that was a blast. Yeah, I'm hoping to get out to another game, and I just love them. You know, I'm bringing my little brother who plays rugby out, so. I just think that anytime you can build up a sport like that, whether that's Real Salt Lake or the Warriors, you know, there's such great activities for, for fans. And Utah is the sports obsessed little hub that a lot of people who don't know about it, you know, once they go, they realize how fun it is. Why the connection with uh, a rugby team like the Utah Warriors for you? Why did that make sense for your brand? Well, part of my brand is always trying to build up other athletes. You know, I think one thing that I've done with name, image, and likeness has been I've tried to get a lot of my teammates deals where they're working with charities, right? Nick Ford with his um, his kitchen and, you know, what I mean, like all these different athletes that are working with things that they actually care about rather than just some random deal. And so for me, part of that is just building up athletes and getting them exposure and, you know, kind of promoting what they do. And so that's why for me, it was kind of a natural thing uh, just to try and do that. And a lot of my teammates up at the U have played rugby, you know, and so it's been fun for me to, to learn about the sport and, and I just want to promote it. You mentioned on the broadcast too, something that was really fun, which is some of the linemen and other teammates would actually get into a scrum in the locker room at Utah. Yeah. I would send the videos, but I'm afraid I'd get in trouble for it. But it's, yeah, we would have giant scrums in the locker room and it would be all the 300 pounds, mostly the Polynesian guys on our team in the scrum. We didn't have any ball or anything. It was just for sure, sheer pride. There was no, you know, there was no purpose to it. It was just sheer pride. That's awesome and hilarious and mildly dangerous. Like if the scrum gets absolutely twist or whatever, <laughs> absolutely. Hey, Wits, like what's going on over there? I imagine Kyle would would be a good rugby player, as a former linebacker, as like a guy that still works. Yeah, out. I think he could hang. Still. Yeah. Well, you know who was great was Coach Scally. Yeah. Did he play rugby? Yeah, he did in high school. Oh, he and, played for did Highland. He play Highland. Oh, yeah. He was really good. Wow. Um, yeah. Good I'm sure, yeah. And I've played with some good players, obviously, Lecky Foto and those guys. But, you yeah, know, an, an, underrated, yeah, an underrated one that people don't know about, possibly, that I, if he'd ever, you know, gets caught in the NFL, I'm going to tell him to join the Warriors is Pita Taumoy Penu. Um, I remember Pita. Yeah. yeah. So, so when he came to Tinfew, I was a sophomore when he was a senior, hardly spoke any English, never played football in his life. And he showed up in my class and I was like, who is this? beast he's amazing he, he's just stripped and i brought him out to play football and we basically put him at dn and said go get the quarterback like go get the guy with the ball because he couldn't understand anything else with football he just yeah played he was a rugby player in tonga mm. and anyways now he's in the nfl and doing great but if it ever doesn't pan out i think he should go back to his rugby roots that's awesome. Uh, a couple of years ago on April Fools, the Warriors said that Haloti Nada signed with the Warriors. Oh <laughs> man! Like, ah! No, it didn't. <laughs> right. 
that that guy was making too much money before. No. <laughs> right. He, he still wants to be able to walk. So, not going to put his body through that. Yeah. No, it's good. What have you learned about kind of rugby uh, culture, rules, positioning so far that has intrigued you? For me, it's been understanding where the – because there's no – you know, I mean, there are sets in rugby, but there's no stop and start plays, right? It's so fluid that it's been interesting for me to see, okay, where's the strategy behind right? those quick kicks and behind – when I've always found my one of my favorite plays is is when they're and see the terminology for me is still not coming so just don't is when they're swinging it out right yeah. and then you've got a guy who comes the opposite direction and and they pass it back to him and he's you know what I mean it's like mm-hmm. okay is that a set is that a play is that something that's just instinctive that they do you know I I think it's really interesting to watch for me kind of more the offensive schemes. Um, because I love, you know, one day I hope to be an offensive coordinator in football, but it's so stop and start yes. play analytics based, whereas rugby so fluid. And I almost wonder if it's more instinctive or if they are sets that are called or if you see tendencies in the defense. And so that for me, that's really cool to watch. Yeah, that's awesome. I think you would have been an amazing scrum half. Told you this to halftime. Uh, you could have been an uh, incredible winger as well. I think there would have right. been. You in space, a fullback would have been incredible. Basically, the safety, you know, right back there. You could kick. Can you kick? How's the kicking game? I was our punter in high school. If that answers your question, I didn't know you were the punter <laughs> in high school. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, baby, that's amazing. Were you right-footed, left-footed? Right-footed, right-footed. straight rugby-style punts. Okay, yeah. you've already been rugby-style punting. There we go. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I'm not. Don't look up a highlight film because there is none, but <laughs> written cubby huddle hunting. Hunt. <laughs> right. Nothing. Yeah. Uh that's awesome. Okay. Wendy, uh, what's the timeline this week uh with, with Philadelphia or whenever you get there? Fly out tomorrow morning. Fly out tomorrow morning for uh rookie camp for the rest of the week. Fly back on Monday, and then I'm here for a few days before I fly back out pretty much permanently. So just getting packed up, getting ready, going to get the playbook right when I land. And, you know, you know, it's going to be a challenge. I know that, that the odds are always stacked against you as a free agent. And but that's, you know, for me, I'm just determined to, you know, Philly fans, from what I've heard, is as long as you give 200 percent, they love you. And that's kind of been me throughout my whole career is yep. I'm the smaller guy, but it's obvious that I will just give everything that I have. So I'm hoping that that will at least give me a shot. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Well, I'm rooting for you. Dub Nation's rooting for you, uh, all of the Warriors fans. Good luck, man. That's going to be fun. And uh, congratulations, <laughs> and thanks for taking a few minutes. Thanks, Jerem. Appreciate it. Britton Covey on Dub Nation. Our thanks to him for joining us, and congratulations to Britton again. So excited for him. You were muted, Banksy. I, I can't wait to hear what you're saying. Oh. <laughs> All he wanted was somebody to give him a shot, and now he's got one in the biggest underdog city in America and and fans that root for that kind of player. So, you know, if it's going to work for anybody, I mean, he could turn into the next Devin Hester and just destroy people on punt returns and be an absolute weapon. He has that potential. So all the best to Britain, and he's part of that Warriors family forever now. 100%, man. And a reminder, uh, don't forget to renew your season tickets. That starts May 7th, coming up Saturday. So uh, get your season tickets for 
next year. Okay, that'll do it for us. Like and share this episode of Dub Nation and follow the Utah Warriors on social media. We'll see you or talk to you uh, Saturday at uh, 8 Mountain uh, Rugby ATL and Utah Warriors. We've got to call on that one as well. Our thanks to Joe Mano and Britton Covey. Today's show is produced by Billy Rathule and Mason Benson. For Banksy, I'm Jerem Jordan. Go Warriors!